glasses on. I'm at a funeral. Oh, sunglasses. Yeah. Are we live? Fuck it. Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shepard, along with my good friend, Artemis Brower. Artie! How we doing? Yeah. I'm good, brother. I'm good, man. Had a good Thanksgiving holiday. Took some much-needed rest, some much-needed TLC. Hung out with family. Ate good. Honestly, this might be the one Thanksgiving in my life where I, like, I actually didn't eat that much food, to be honest with you. I ate good, but I didn't eat that much. And, I- like... That was the first for me. I was doing good until I got to dinner. And then dinner came around. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you not understand what you just said? I was doing good till I got to dinner. Dinner's the, that's that's the whole No already <laughs> what are you, what are you saying? When when you live a life like mine <laughs> What what the hell did you have before dinner? I mean, the you got to remember, I have like two or three Thanksgiving meals every year. On the same day? On the same day. With like, with like just different family members? Yes. Oh, that's too much moving. You did tell me that. You did You did tell me that. I mean, that, what, that, what am I going to do? That. I mean. I'm not doing all that. And and no. can I say, <laughs> I my, my dad's side of the family, instead of doing, he, he likes to make fun of me. I, I once called his. Big ZD, poor man's big ZD. Uh, my dad's side of the family decided to do the most absurd thing possible and decided that we were going to have our Thanksgiving at Golden Corral. I feel like that's the most white person thing you could do. Go to Golden Corral and yeah. eat Thanksgiving. Um, but that's what we did. And then I, I'll i tell you, I didn't eat much there. I had a bite of turkey, some... Uh, well, so you did end up going to Golden Corral with them and partaking... In that, yeah. that is not proud of it, Artie. <laughs> I already, I, I had half a plate, half a plate. <laughs> then, uh, that was I only did two meals. Uh, that was it, half a plate there, and I was like, okay, I'm doing okay. Like, don't, don't overdo it at dinner, Jared. Like, this is prime time. And then I got to dinner, and those sweet, that sweet potato casserole. And that mac and cheese, and that turkey, and that cranberry sauce, and that dressing, man, that hit. <laughs> but uh, the the listeners don't care about what we had for. for hey, look, I, I'll tell you though, for the for the right price, because you know your boy can cook. If your dad and family want somebody to cook for them next year on Thanksgiving for the right price, I'm there. They don't have yeah. to have Golden Corral if they don't want it for the right price. I'm trust there. me. Trust me, already. No, that's <laughs> I. I can't say what I would, what I want to say on the podcast. Um, you're you're trying to get me in trouble here. Uh, no, it it it's it's hard. It, it's I was like, what are we doing? I mean, have you ever been to Walmart at three o'clock in the morning? Imagine what Golden Corral looks like on Thanksgiving afternoon. I honestly, I low key miss Walmart at three o'clock in the morning. I miss when Walmart was twenty four hours. That's when I did my like, best shopping. Or Artie, Artie uh, avoids Cracker Barrel like the plague. 
I avoid Golden Corral. It's just not that good. I avoid Golden Corral like the plague, just because you might actually catch the plague if you're there. Um, Some of us like seasoned food. Yeah. Which is why I avoid Golden or or Cracker Bro like the plague. Hey. I digress. I I, I like Cracker Bro. It depends what, what, what you get. Um, all right, Artie, episode 173 of the Boneyard Podcast. Yes. A big one. We got, we got I'm I'm honestly like all day I've been worried that he's just not gonna show up. Um, we got a big one. Donnie Kirkpatrick on the podcast tonight. Yes. Um, so if you're watching right now, stay tuned. He's coming on around 8 30. Um, all right, Artie, number 73. You got one for me? I do have a 73, you know. Brandon kind of gave me the idea last week when he mentioned the 72-win Bulls. So I kind of want to follow that up with the team that beat that 72-win Bulls as far as regular season wins in a, in a season. So I want to shout out the Golden State Warriors who went 73-9 and nine, um, back in – God, when did they do that? I don't even I don't even remember the year they did. I think it was 2015. 2016, that's because they, they lost to the Cavs that year. So 2015-2016 season, and they went 73-9 and nine as a franchise. It's an absurd number of wins to do. And I, and I mentioned them because I think their dynasty is kind of over at this point. I don't think Steph Clay and Draymond are ever going to win another championship again, but what a run it was, what a ride it was Four championships in eight years, just absolutely absurd. So uh shout out to the Golden State Warriors. Shout out to that 73 and nine team. That's my 73 for the week. All right. My 73. Uh, he's, He's famous. He, he's a football player. Uh, played, let's see, played for Baltimore, Tennessee, and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know where I'm going with this, Artie? No. Michael Orr. Oh, wow. The blind side. From the blind yeah. side. Yeah. One-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, yeah, wore, wore the number 73 for his two seasons here in Carolina. Um yeah, it didn't really didn't really do much. I mean, for the Panthers, did he? Like, yeah, he, eh. but he was on the back end. I mean, I think he had like a what a six to eight year career, which you know, yeah, he had a he had an eight year career, which is which is really good for somebody. I mean, if you're not a Hall of Famer or not like a great football player, that, that's a pretty solid professional career. So, yeah, I mean, not bad. Played played quite a bit of snaps. Uh, I'm just I'm just looking at some of his his uh I mean had over 4,100 snaps in his career, so not bad, not bad at all. Um, started in 13 playoff games and was a member of the 2009 All Rookie Team. All right, Artie, the Boneyard Podcast. Proud to be members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you go check them out. Uh, lots of great content going on, especially football playoffs coming right around the corner. Uh, you got basketball in swing. MLB postseason is uh, or offseason is heating up. Lots of great stuff going on. College football, everything. Anything you could want, we got it. The Variety Sports Podcast Network, the Boneyard Podcast, is proud to be members of, of that. So uh, check them out. And if, if you haven't subscribed yet, Go subscribe to their YouTube. If you're watching there, subscribe to us at the Boneyard Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, wherever. 
Um, all right, Artie, let's talk about this game against Tulsa. All right, I mean, ECU came out and they came out swinging, yeah. looked like a team on fire. We were saying, oh man, where's this team been all year long? And then they still found a way to shit the bed. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty I much. mean, that that was the most ECU way to lose a football game that I've ever seen. Like, a couple calls get get blown by the by the refs. Of course, it's Tulsa. But then you, you still have a chance to win, and then you still shit the bed. That is That is the epitome of an ECU loss. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Artie, I have to wonder. I, I've I've long said that I think that the the play that broke ECU football mm-hmm. was the Hail Mary against UCF in the last game of the season, the regular season that year. That broke. That didn't break ECU. I've always said after that it was all downhill from there. But we we did come back as a program. I mean, you, you forget the last two seasons. We've had decent seasons the last year. It's not like we've right. been a dumpster fire ever since that play. I mean. We've been close to it. We've been close to it. I, I, we've been close to it. But it's not like we've been I, a complete dumpster fire. But I hope I'm, I'm, the, optim, the optimist in me, Artie, is sitting here saying, I hope that what happened on – Last Saturday night is the thing that all right corrects the course, get bad karma, everything. We we wipe our hands clean, and life gets back to being great as, as a pirate. Hey, let, let's let's just call it what it is. All right, going two and ten, those are things that happen to UMass. Those are things that happen to UConn. They don't happen in Greenwood, North Carolina. UMass taking a ricochet. We we have no rhyme or reason to be going two and ten so in my personal opinion this is as bad as it can possibly get it literally cannot should not ever get any worse than what we witnessed this past season this is this is as rock bottom as it should ever get in greenville north carolina with this ecu football program with the kind of history and pageantry and tradition um and pride whole lot of pride that that we have in this football program um, so yes, I, I, you know, that, that was the most ECU way to lose a football game. We we've seen heartbreakers before, you know, like we, we've been fans for a decade plus. We, we know what heartbreak looks like. We've seen ECU lose these games that they should not lose at the end of it. When you got a lead with two and a half minutes and you fumble the ball, you get them the ball right back and the game with a field goal and walk off into the sunset. So we've seen this story before, but hopefully this is kind of the final nail in the coffin of, okay. It, it, it just cannot get any worse than this. Obviously, we are going to be making offensive changes. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to be working that portal. Uh, we And I'm sure we're getting to some of these kids that are you know, transferring out, have it hit the portal. We should be hitting the portal hard this offseason, doing everything we can to get some some new guys in. But um, I don't know. To me, it was just a, it was a fitting way for you to end the season. You don't like to see it. Obviously, you, you, want, you want to see the seniors go out a whole lot better than what they did. But this was a fitting way for ECU football to end their season, truthfully. I yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it was you, you couldn't have scripted it any better for how how this season had gone, right? Um, now defense, a lot of the bend don't break that we we've 
had over the last two years. They weren't as crisp as they had been uh, throughout the entire season. Yeah. But they still gave ECU an opportunity to win, win the football game. That That's the good, right? I mean, Jeremy Lewis, ultimate pirate, Greenville kid. I mean, what more could you ask for? Yeah. Right? I mean, played lights out. Julius Wood. I was sitting there thinking, like, if if Julius Wood goes undrafted, whoever picks him up as a, as an undrafted free agent, either either way, somebody is gonna, some GM is gonna be looking like he is the smartest man in the world when he brings on Julius Wood because that dude can ball. That dude's all over the place, and. Um, He's got the size, he's got the talent, got the heart. So, I mean, he that, that guy's going to make a great pro. Um, we're we're going to see him play on Sundays for sure. Yeah, Don't make the same mistake you made with Jaquan and Keaton. Yeah, seriously. Do not make that same mistake. Seriously. You have seven opportunities to pick this man up. Pick him up. I mean, he's he's the real deal. Um Overall, I mean, defense, I, I was happy with the defense, right? Like, it wasn't like they got blown out and beat up. I mean, that first, there was a play or two um, to start the game. I, I believe it was a two-play or three-play drive. Tulsa went down and scored pretty quickly, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Here, this is going to be a long game. And then uh, and then you see figured it out. Your, your thoughts on, on the defense and, and the what was good from this game, Artie? Yeah, I mean, I, I think defensively, obviously it wasn't the day that we would expect or want to have defensively. But I think a lot of that is just the toll of the season. I think a lot of that is just where we where we stood. I think, you know, if anything, you go out there, you play hard for the seniors, you play hard because it's your last game. You play hard because, you know, you know, Coach uh, Kirk, Kirk Patrick is not coming back uh, for next season. Um, but, you know, the writing's on the wall. So, you, I mean, you, you can see why – Defense is probably tired. Defense knows they're not going to a ball game. Defense knows, hey, all right, we're, we're just kind of getting back to the drawing board. Now, these are not excuses. Um, and it's not like we played a, a, a horrible defensive game. But I do think that factors into it, just kind of knowing in the back of your mind, you know, let's just go out here and try to play hard for the for the seniors, for the guys on this group that won't be here next year. But we really got to get back to the drawing board. Really, I, I, what I take away is the offense from this game. I'm just happy about the fight that our offense showed. I mean, we, you know, for one of the rare times, this season, the offense looked competent, put up over 400 yards of total offense. I think had like 225 yards of rushing yards in, in, in this game, like a like an ECU offense of old, uh, just what we were able to do rushing. Um, and then overall, you know, Alex Flynn, he had two touchdown passes. He also had two interceptions, but still, you know, kind of played a pretty decent game. I'm just happy with the fight that our offense showed because they could have tucked tail and ran and, and, and really not came out and tried to win this one. But they did. They they came out. Obviously, they made their mistakes. You know, you had the Roger Harris fumble, and then again, you had the the, the two interceptions by by Flynn. But they showed some fight. They showed some spunk. They showed the the tenacity to want to come out and win. And that's really I, I said this last week on the podcast. That's all I wanted to see. I just wanted to see this team come out, and fight, compete, try to get a win. I didn't necessarily need to see a win. Would have loved to have seen a win. But obviously, we know the writing on the wall with this season. I'm just happy that it came out and showed a little bit of fight towards the end. Yeah, I mean. Can't say they, that they that they gave up. They they didn't toss in the towel. 
Right. I, I I don't know where to go from here. We've already seen guys are entering the portal from the offense. Yeah. Defense, I have a feeling, is going to stick together pretty pretty well. Um, it's good defense, man. They, they, they have no reason to kind of – they know they know what they can be. Uh, a, a source was telling me, I mean, they feel pretty pretty confident about the defense, and they were telling me that they feel a couple – they feel like they're only a couple pieces away on offense. Um, a lot of the guys that, that are transferring out already, hate to say it, they're guys that have been on the bench. They're they're looking for some playing time, right? Yep. And I get it. Like, by all means, go get your flowers somewhere else. If, if you think you can play somewhere else, by all means, do what's best for you. Um, we ha- we haven't lost anybody out- outside of maybe Ting and Wilk. What was hard last week? Um, that from was the podcast, good, yeah, yeah, did not and like then, losing Tegan. And, and then Mason Garcia was was. Uh, tough, but look, I mean, we saw Mason Garcia this year. It didn't work out. Um, and I can't blame him. I mean, the, the kid sat for four years behind hole nailers, finally got a shot and then he, he couldn't make it happen. Right. So, um, I don't blame him. Hopefully he can figure it out somewhere else. We'll cheer for him there. Unless he, unless he plays his parts. Yeah, I mean, you're 1,000% rooting for Mason. I absolutely hope he lands I'll, on his feet and, and can able, like, be able to find some success somewhere else. I mean, we're talking about when he came in, the most highly rated recruit that we had ever had. So, And, and obviously the expectations – maybe the expectations were a little, little bigger or higher than what they should have been on him uh, when he came in, but he did sit for a tremendously long time. He was extremely loyal to this program when he did not have to be, when he could have transferred out earlier. Um, and you know, unfortunately we, I, I feel like we failed him as a program because we weren't able to develop him into what he, we, we, we needed for him to be for this program. Um, you know, do put some of the blame on him as well. Cause you know, that, that's personal development as well. But you know, I, I, I'm rooting, I am a Mason Garcia fan. I'm rooting for him and hope that he lands on his feet wherever he goes. Yeah. Same, same here. Um, and I mean, the guys that are leaving, going back to that already, we kind of need them to leave. Right, like if we're wanting to retool this offense and retool this roster, that'll be fresh. You gotta have scholarship spots to to pull yeah. these guys in, right? You gotta be able to offer guys something. So if you're going after JUCO transfers or going after uh, other kids in the portal, you, you gotta have somewhere to put them, right? Um, so ECU, while while you hate to see, I mean, Brock Winstead into the portal, I mean long snapper, but, uh, I mean, friend of the podcast, Peyton Winstead's, uh, brother in in the portal. So, um, all in all, it's tough to see guys go, but you know that this opens up the opportunity for more guys to come in and and be successful in the purple and gold. Yeah. Um, Ari, all right, let, let's, we, we talked about, uh, the good and the bad, the ugly, there were some times during that game where I was thinking, oh, is this the Tulsa screw job version two? And I think a lot of people were, were like, oh, it shit, was an interception. I don't know how you overturned that. I've seen, I watched that play like six, seven times. Like, that's it. Come on, man. That's an interception. It was a pick. It was a pick. Like, give it to him, man. Give it to him. 
between that and, uh, I mean, I, I swear, nobody can get called for holding against East Carolina, apparently. Why, why, why do we not call holding ever? I mean, it doesn't matter. We're 2-10. and 10. <laughs> It's not the reason we're 2-10. and 10. But uh, <laughs> ECU and, uh, and Tulsa, I mean, we were all expecting it to hit the under, the over hit, and yeah, we and almost hit it in the in the first half. I'm okay with it. You know, shame on us. I'm okay. It, that, that would be the game in in the battle of the suck. That would be the game that hits the over, and the offenses come out and say, "You know what? I heard what y'all had to say on y'all podcast." To hell with y'all. <laughs> so, yeah, I, honestly, at least we got an entertaining one. We had yeah. fun. I, I I was talking to somebody else this week, and they said, "What are your thoughts on 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 ECU's defense and and the the team as a whole this year?" And I I said, "At least the defense made it where every game was at least somewhat interesting. Otherwise, it could have been real bad, real quick." Yeah. And um, so yeah, shout out to the defense. Um, and then lastly, the ugly, the last ugly I'll I'll have. Artie, um, that play call. I mean, all you got to do is get a, get a first down. That or you need it. And if you have to punt it and give them terrible field position, they got have a minute and a half to go down the field. What were your thoughts on the play call? Why do you call it direct snap? We're talking about Rowdy's fumble. Yes. If you want to call it that, yes. You expect that you expect the mechanics of that play to go better than what they are. I mean, if we're being honest, it's not so much the play call. To me, it's about the mechanics of that play and that that that's one of those plays that should go off without a hitch. If we're being I mean, that's just basic football. It's a direct snap, it's basic football. I mean, that that play should go off without a hitch. That should not be one of those plays that's that difficult to execute. I get it. You know, in hindsight, okay, you could have called this, you could have called that, yada yada. That's not a difficult play to execute. It's just not. Yeah, I don't know. In my head, I was like, just do something, do something simple. Do what you need to do, Donnie. I mean, you 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 do that 60 times in practice every single day. Like it's just, it's just I and I get it. I, I get it. There, there could have been a better play call, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a little bit of a rest because because the mechanics should have been there. That's just not a hard play to execute. It's just not, not yeah. at that level. Not at, maybe maybe pee wee football, but not at that level should that be a hard play to execute. Yeah, I I, I don't know why. Um, I don't know. Just do something simple. All season we've done something simple. Do something simple with the last two minutes of the of the season. <laughs> But that, to me, that, that that's where my head went. Like, well, well, I, well, I get fancy now. Um. So yeah, already final takeaway on the twenty twenty three ECU Pirates. I'm so happy we not we done talk about the football season. My final takeaway is I'm so happy we done talking about it. <laughs> that's that's my final takeaway. You don't know you do, honestly. I mean, you do know how hard it's been to come on here every week and talk about ECU football. 
But it's not because we don't like ECU football. It's because we love ECU football so much and we're so invested. And we drive hours out of our way to be at these games. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Please help us out. Help me help you. But it's it's done, right? It's, it's in the past. It's done. Pirate Nation, breathe a sigh of relief. You don't have to watch no more football games outside of, you know, at least as it pertains to ECU for, for this season. We digress. We hit the reset button. We do what we have to do in the transfer portal. We do what we have to do to develop these players, continuously developing these guys that we already have and making them better so they can grow. We go find a killer offensive coordinator if we can do it and a quarterback. There have been plenty of quarterbacks at the portal. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention the last couple of days. A lot of quarterbacks hit that portal. We should be greedy and aggressive and be saying, why not? Why the hell not? Let's just let's just go for it. Right. So. But my, my final takeaway is it can't get much worse than this year. So on to next year, baby. We can't, even if we finish three and nine, it can't, it's not going to be worse than what we did this year. So it for can't, sure. it, it just, it can't be. For sure. Well, Artie, uh, we, we teased it already. We got a new friend of the podcast coming on a uh, long time uh, ECU coach and now former ECU offensive coordinator, Donnie Kirkpatrick. Donnie, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. How's it going, my friend? Oh, it's going good now that I'm in the big time here with this going on. <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, so <laughs> just, it, is just, what you, it is what you think it is. That's the way it's got to be. Yeah. That, that that's for sure. Uh, now, Donnie, quick question. I mean, now that you're, now that you're, it's in ended the season, right? Like, yes. What, what's what's like the last four days been for you after after, after the last game? Well, it's been unusual, obviously, because I haven't uh, been getting up at five in the morning and going going <laughs> to work. That's that's one thing. But uh, I wish I could sleep a little later. But unfortunately, as you get older, you start getting up earlier and earlier. Anyhow, but. Uh, it's been really busy more than I probably would have thought it would have been in that uh, everybody that I know has been calling me. Okay. Or, you know, text messaging me and, you know, in the coaching world, we, we, we do stay up with, with guys. Uh, but, you know, it's usually at the end of the season, I guess, or just really quick messages. And now we're having long phone calls because we have, we have a little bit of time and I guess the guys working are, not out on the road till next week. So they're, they're in the office a little bit, but I've actually had a chance to talk with a lot of people that are not in the sports world uh, like that. And then it's been, uh, it's been cleaning my closet out. How about that? That's been something that's been many years in the making and I'm uh, goodwill's getting a good load here for Christmas of a lot of things that I don't know how long they've been there. I don't even know why they've made the trip in the last place. Uh, you know, my wife's been telling me this for four or five years now and, so I've taken some time and cleaning the closet out. I'm sure it, if you're in Greenville, go check out the the Goodwill. You could probably find some good ECU merch here here in the next next week or so. <laughs> some of it still got the tags on it. Yeah, come get it. <laughs> uh, Artie, do you have do you have any questions to start? Yeah, I mean, just just want to ask because I know you mentioned you're not you're not waking up at five in the morning anymore, not going through that daily grind the last few days. But what? are some of the things that you are going to miss as far as that day-to-day grind, the day-to-day process at East Carolina that you're going to miss 
Well, uh, you know, the number one thing for coaches that, that, that we're going to miss and already missing it somewhat is the same thing you tell the players that is what they're going to miss the most is the camaraderie, you know, with your teammates. And so what you miss is even though we're, we were stuck down in this little hole, it seems like of an office uh, offensive staff room, no windows where, where we were at, you know, two doors, but no windows, no, no access to the outside world. You, you know, you better have some guys in there you like anyhow. And fortunately we, we've, we've had that, but you just miss the guys. The coaches are just, Older players that have grown up, it's still the locker room talk. It's still the the antics, still the jokes, and those type of things like that. And and that's what that's what I'll miss the most. And and really already been missing that. Luckily, I've I've been able to talk with all the guys, but you know, still that face to face and that daily stuff. And yeah, you miss the grind a little bit. I mean, maybe not for the first week or so. Yeah. But I think the challenges, you know, the thing that that gets most of the coaches that I've talked to that now have gotten out of it is they say you, you just don't have that – you don't have that nervousness, you know, which is would, – I would, I would love to get rid of some of that. But they say you don't also have that, you know, that achievement, you know, at the end of the week. Because the harder the game, the more enjoyable it is if you do well. Now, when you have a year like we had this year, you know, you're probably not going to miss some of those, those disappointments. But for the most part, I've been pretty fortunate. We haven't had that many bad years. Most of our years have been pretty good. The first two coming back – you know, we're not great as far as wins, losses, but we kind of knew that coming in that, you know, we weren't going to be able to turn it around that quickly. But even all the other schools I've been at, we, we usually had pretty good success. So I'm sure those things will come maybe in the fall, you know, when, when you don't have that competitiveness going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, while we're kind of talking about it, I mean, the last two years, I mean, under whole nailers, great success. I mean, yeah. all time great. ECU legend, right? Greenville legend. He's got it all, um, all the accolades. Then this year we knew, we knew it was going to be, we knew it was going to be a tougher year on, on the offense. You lost a lot of guys. I believe it was like yeah. 80% of your production you lost. Right. And you, you come into the season that there was a lot of talk. Now, if you could go back, let, let's say you could go back to this time last year after the bowl game, is there something you would maybe do differently or maybe even take it two years back? Like, is there something you would do differently to prepare for this season after Holden Hailers? Yeah, I tell you, uh, and I appreciate you bringing up the two good years there that we had because we did really have two good years there. You know, we, we had some signs even the first couple of years offensively of doing some pretty good things. You know, the SMU game comes to mind down there at SMU where we scored 40 high. You know, even Cincinnati, who had the, the great team already going on, you know, we, we scored in the 40s against those guys. So we had some signs even earlier, probably from the second week on. The Tulsa game, we played really well out there, kind of got the game pulled from us. We thought on some bad calls. But, yeah, those are the good memories. Uh, yeah, going into this year, you know, I was concerned. I knew we couldn't be quite as good offensively as we had been last year. I mean, you can't lose six guys the NFL contracts on one side of the ball, on just on the offense. And then 2,000-yard receivers, 1,400-yard receiver, all-time great quarterback. And then two of the offensive linemen, you know, going the portal. The portal hurt us there. You know, one went and started every game for Auburn and did pretty darn good, I hear. The other one was starting at Oregon until he got injured, and then he wasn't able to get back in the lineup because they're so good. Yeah, so, so I was – you know, you're concerned. But at the same time – 
we knew we were going to be better on defense this year. We, we knew that we had done well in the portal defensively, and we knew we had a lot of returning guys. And uh, so we were optimistic that we could still win games. You know, maybe we weren't going to win them like we won the Temple game, what, 49 to 46. But we thought, you know, we can win some of those games. Uh, and I didn't think that we would develop. I thought the two quarterbacks between the two would, would come on. Uh, I knew we wouldn't maybe start off against Michigan, you know, with a huge game. But I, I really thought that we would get there. Uh, I thought the receivers would come on. I knew Chase Sowell was going to eventually be pretty good. I had a setback with the concussion at the Michigan game. Uh, so I guess the, the question, though, was what would we do differently? Uh, I think we would have made some different decisions. Uh, I, I don't want to be negative toward any of the players in any way, you know, or any of the other coaches, but I do think that we probably would have maybe uh, played the game in the portal a little better, you know, with some, maybe some other transfers at some other positions. We, we had gotten kids the year before, like Isaiah Winstead, who worked out great. Yeah. But, he, but he was a one-for-one. One. We, we felt like we needed that. Well, that did pay off. We made the right decision, but it was a one-for-one. One. Uh, with the, with the Justin Red, who came in and played left tackle, it was a one-for-one. One. played well for us, but it was a one-for-one. One. So we, we made some decisions that we thought, well, we don't want to be that kind of team where we're always just taking guys that are one-for-one one because you're always having to rebuild. And you know what? You're not going to always be right. I, I don't care who you are. Vince Lombardi, Nick Saban. You're not going to be 100 percent on 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 recruiting. You're going to have some that are going to pan out better than you expect, and some are not going to pan out as well as as you had hoped. So we kind of took younger kids and tried to build maybe a more consistent team, and uh, probably needed a couple of older guys, you know, in some in some different positions. So I think we would have probably made some of those decisions a little differently, and a lot of those decisions were mine. You know what I'm saying? So I take ownership for that. Gotcha. And, you know, Coach, obviously, you know, offensively, we were not where we wanted to be no. this year, and you, and you just touched on that. Uh, but I, I know a lot of people, they don't really understand, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, a lot of couch potatoes, you know, as, as, as we say, or, 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 or couch coaches, um, we don't understand how hard it is to, you know, put out a consistent product week by week, consistently good. So just from a coach's perspective, how hard is that to put out a consistently good product week to week at this level? And it's the key to, to being good, though, you know what I'm saying? But it is extremely hard. You know, I have a saying, and I always tell the players, you know, the definition of a great player or a great team is a player or a team that is consistently good. You know, you, you hit one long putt, that don't mean you're a good putter. You know, you make one long shot, you're not a good shooter. You know what I'm saying? It's who, who can do it consistently. How many did you make out of 10? How many, you know, in football, how many do you win out of 12? So that is the key. And that is going to get more difficult with the new portal and the new NIL because teams are changing and turning their rosters over quicker and quicker. So you're going to sometimes see teams that are really bad. They're going to get really good quickly. Uh, and you're going to see other teams that are just not going to be as consistently good because then the next year the team's going to turn over and they may not, you know, do as well. But uh, that, that really is the key, but it's so hard. And, you know, we are dealing with 18 to 22 year old young men too. There's a lot of things going on in their lives at that time too. Uh, you know, what kind of week are they having? You know, how's the girlfriend treating them that week? You know, how's mom and dad doing? There are a lot of issues that I, I, I just see it all the time. And I say, man, some of these kids are from some tough situations. They got a lot of things pulling them a lot of different directions because, you know, you'll see them just maybe at a practice on a Tuesday or Wednesday. You'd be like, man, what's wrong with him? 
something back at home, all kind of different pressures. You know, we going in the last game, we had an offensive lineman that's mom called and said, you got to come home. You know, her boyfriend was putting hands on her. I need you home to protect me. Well, you know, his mind ain't on football that week, and it shouldn't have been. It was family way more important than football game. So there's just things like that happen to these young men, and sometimes they're up and down a little bit because of that, and that's a little bit uncontrollable for that. But, again, it's the good teams are finding a way to be consistent. A lot of that's due to depth, you know what I'm saying, that you got another player that can step up because injury is a huge part of the game as well, and you can't control that. Uh, you know, we, we thought Javius Bond would be a really, really good uh, sidebar to Rajay Harris this week. I thought we would, you know, maybe I'm not saying he was going to be Keaton Mitchell year one, but we thought that we saw that ability and we could have that thunder and lightning type of attack again. Uh, you know, at the Michigan game, he showed that. He had seven touches and averaged seven yards a touch in there. We thought we we're on to some. Well, then injuries just beat him down this year and – as soon as he came back from one injury, he got injured again. And even the rest of the year, he was never quite the same. He's going to have a bright future. He will, you know, but, but you know, those things happen. And, yeah. uh, you know, Raji was coming back from a, a, a serious injury, and that's something that takes at least a year. Uh, obviously, he didn't have quite a year before the first few games. I think by the last game, we all saw the Raji Harris. That last game, that was the Raji Harris that we've all seen before. And, and we'll see again, I'm sure. Uh, now, a lot of it wasn't always his his issue. Sometimes you got you to help him a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that's the thing. We weren't very consistent. We weren't very good on offense, period. Again, I take all responsibility for that because that's, that's the way it works, you know. Uh, and that's a sad thing. And that's the only negative uh, to leaving this year is, you know, a lot of people told me I should have left last year. You know, when you, we had that bowl, had all the ticker tape going out there and everybody was telling you how good you were. But you know what? Coaches aren't smart enough to do that. You always think you can come back and do it one more time. You think, well, we'd, we'd won seven. We won eight. I'm sure somehow we'd find a way to win nine. You know, you're not always right, though. Yeah, I think I think going into the season this year, Artie looked at me crazy crazily when I said I thought this team could win eight games. I, I, I genuinely thought that they could. Well, you know, I'm not so sure we still couldn't have. It would have been an ugly eight, seven, eight, nine wins. But, you yeah. know, you look back at, at the way the season went, and I do think that sometimes, you know, and I don't, I've been doing it so long that I, I think I handle it better than other people do. But, you know, the game has turned into everybody wants excitement. Everybody's trying to get fans in the stand. You're trying to get people to watch. You're trying to get likes, trying to get clicks, trying to get NIL money. You know what I'm saying? So people want more flash. I don't think we could have won 49 to 46 games this year. I don't think it would have happened. We would have, we wouldn't have been able to win games like that. We could have won some games the other night. We could have won 27 to something or 30 to something like that. We could have won the Charlotte game with a low scoring game. We, we had our chances. We missed the field goal. We had a chance at the two minute at the end of the game. We, we missed on a scoring drive earlier in the game. I think sometimes the kids felt the pressure of we're not scoring enough. I think we panicked a little bit. I think they hear the noise a little bit more than we like to think they do. You know, we, we should have just tried to win the game and went home. And we looked up at the end of the year, and, yeah, we weren't that good, but look what we did. We won eight or nine games and and just build from that. But, you know, those things in hindsight now. Yeah, for sure. You, you talk about the NIL and, and the transfer portal. Um 
now now sitting in, in the seat that you're sitting in and and um kind of knowing all you know about what's going on in college football you always hear about these kids that are getting recruited or, or getting offered kind of under the table yeah um how much of that's going on like are guys telling you like hey this coach is reaching out to me like you don't have to say who but like are you hearing about that well, there's surely rumors, and, and, and half things are true and half things are not true. And there is a lot of exaggeration, I think, to some things. And there, there is a lot of money being exchanged out there. There's, there's no doubt about that, though I think it is, it is highly inflated. And, and as the stories go, everybody likes to add a zero to it, I think, a little bit. But I do know for – what I do know for a fact is, you know, when we lost Avery Jones last year uh, and we lost Ashad Struther uh, – there were there was pretty good money being exchanged there because I know the families and I knew the kids I'd recruited both of those kids and I know the high school coaches really well and I don't know that there's any rules being broken necessarily that you could pin on someone because there's a way around it the the, the rules right now are so vague and they're so flexible that it's almost hard to break a rule anymore meaning that you can uh, you can follow a young man through social media before he goes in the portal. And when he sees that you follow him and goes, oh, this is a coach at so-and-so school, oh, four or five coaches on that staff are following me, that's basically saying, hey, we're interested in you. You know what I'm saying? Why else are they just following a guy? They're they're not messaging him until he goes into the portal. They don't have to. They've already sent that message. And then there's a lot of ways of getting around things like you can call the high school coach and just say, hey, you know, how's so-and-so doing? You know, he went to whatever university and they get the answer and say, well, you know, if you ever talk to him, God, we sure wanted him. You know, if anything ever happens at that other school, you know, we, we sure would, we, we saw where he's not playing as much or he's not doing as much or, or, or how much money are they paying him? Have you, has he ever shared that with you? Cause you know, our guys are making this much money, you know, and I'm sure he would make that here too. Just, you know, if you ever talk to him or something like that, which is basically telling that coach, you know, if he comes home or if, if you do talk to him, which a lot of high school coaches usually follow their guys, they may pass that along. So I don't know that there's any way you could go put a, a violation on anybody, yeah. but it's definitely going on. In today's world, you know, with the PFF stuff, you can watch every kid play every snap and you can filter it a ton of different ways. So, you know, it's almost like an NFL uh, room now in the recruiting room. You've got a recruiting board. And you got a transfer board over here, just like they got a free agency board. So you're looking at it and saying, wow, you know, we we haven't done as well here at left guard or whatever position it may be, or we're thin or we got somebody hurt. You know, look over here at this other board and there's there's people you're tracking a little bit. Now, some of that's because you've recruited them before out of high school. And some of it's just because another coach has joined your staff and recruited that guy from another play. So before long, you got four or five different coaches in there. You've covered the country pretty good. And coach, you know, I want to I want to ask you this. You know, this time because football season just ended. Yeah. But this time next year, what do, what do you think that you are doing this time next year? Are you coaching again? Do you have that itch to get back into the coaching realms, or are you chilling on somebody's beach drinking cocktails? What is you what know, is coach for Patrick North? Well, I got a lot of good options in that way because I'm really good at, at, at those cocktails on the beach. Uh, <laughs> I've got that down pretty good, and uh, I still I really do believe that I probably could be the uh, club champion pickleball. Uh, doubles champion. I've, okay. I've already, I've already got my son practicing so we can win the father son championship. And my wife's not come around yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to talk her into mixed doubles. 
a little bit like that too. So the, the competitiveness is going to be there one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my golf game could surely use some, some work and it would give me a chance to start doing that. I'm now, I'm now the age where I can play from the senior tees. So I feel like I'm going to get quite a boost with that a little bit. Um, but I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, this week's been just kind of a weird week, but I've been really busy. I've kind of stayed busy on purpose. Uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, I might be bored to death here a little bit. And you never know with this coaching carousel. But uh, I've loved my time at East Carolina. Uh, I was very fortunate to get to come here the first time with Skip Holtz. Uh, we came into a very similar situation when the program was really, really down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got it turned around, uh, got it to bowl games, got it to division championships, then one conference championships. And those are some great memories. I uh, was very fortunate to recruit some great players and coach some unbelievably players here. Uh, so those were great experiences. I had the misfortune or fortune of leaving then when some people that didn't know what they were doing decided that Ruff and McNeil needed to leave. And that's that was an interesting thing there that people are still paying for. But I landed at James Madison with Coach Houston where we won the national championship and that's pretty hard to do. So I'll, you know, I'll cherish that. I thought, well, if nothing else. That's why I left. Cause how many times are you going to get a chance to win a national championship? We were runner up for a national championship. We were third round and uh, had some great players there too. And uh, had the national player of the year, Brian short and had Ben Danucci who got drafted by the Cowboys at quarterback. And so, you know, I surely would have hated to have missed out in life and getting a chance to coach those guys. And then, you know, we came back here and played one time, too, and had a pretty good night against the against the Pirates. First, first time I'd pulled against the Pirates before. Uh, but that was a pretty good memory, walking off that field right there, winning that game. And then, uh, lo and behold, if my coach don't call me down to the office and say, what do you think about going back to East Carolina? And, uh, of course, I was the one who said, you better take that one. You know what I'm saying? That, that's a good gig right there. And you know what? The first two years were a lot of work. Uh, but we knew that going in, uh, but getting a chance to coach Holton Aylers and some of these other guys, Tyler Sneed, Tyler Sneed was a guy that I turned down at James Madison. We could have, we could have signed him and we turned him down. And I'll tell you what, after I got here and saw him, I said, the best thing I ever did was not recruit you at James Madison because now we're going to get a chance to coach you here. And that was fun. Blake Pro was another great story like that. I was recruiting Blake, Blake Pro from his sophomore year because I had the Charlotte area and uh, didn't get a chance to finish that part of it, but then got a chance to, you know, let him play for us. So awesome things. And then to, to get to the first bowl game, I'm telling you, the, the kids were just, that was unbelievable. What the feeling after having been beat down for two or three years to get it. Now we didn't get to play the game. That was kind of a, Oh, deal there a little bit. We're still claiming that as a win, by the way, and we always will. And then last year, though, to just, uh, you know, have such a good year offensively. We, we had a couple bad games. I wish we the consistency, you know, the Houston game comes to mind after we lost at Cincinnati, which I'll go to my grave saying if Keaton Mitchell doesn't get knocked out in that game, we win that one by double digits because we, we were going to. And I think we didn't handle not, you know, getting knocked out of the conference race, but – then to win the bowl game, you know, I think ECU's been to 20 bowl games. I've been to 10 of them, you know what I'm saying? And to get another win there, that's that's that was pretty good right there. So I have no regrets. Been blessed to be here. Uh, you have a bad year. 
you know it's going to happen. Somebody's got to take it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you know what? They won't be down for long, though. They, they'll get that thing built back. Uh, it, it's hard on schools this, this level right now. It's harder than ever, though, I think, with the NIL uh, because competing with the money part and then, you know, with the portal, because if you get a kid and you get him developed, he gets to be pretty good. And now, you know, with the kids, the way they go to summer school, everybody's graduating in three years now and three and a half. Now you can just go transfer again. So now you got a double transfer. So it's going to be hard to hold on to players here uh, because the other people will poach them, no doubt about it. Uh, and so uh, there's, there's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to win here and to win here consistently, but it's a great place to win at when you're there and you're doing it. For sure. Donnie, I don't, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I, I did, I, I was texting some people and uh, one of them, one of them told me that you were caught. He called you a, and this was endearingly <laughs> called you a little angry man at times. <laughs> Any guesses on who that might be? Uh, there, there could be a long list of those guys. I don't know. So I've, I've been called the little general before in many places. I've been called Napoleon a little bit. I need to watch that movie to see how bad or how good that actually is or whatever. But what I always say is if they remember you, then you've done your job probably one way or the other. So I hope that they know that all my anger was intended just to get us better though. So I don't know. There might've been Maceo though, because he's shorter than me. No, <laughs> it, it, it was not Maceo. Um, no, th- this was a, I mean, a pretty big guy. I mean, tight end. That, that I talked to, and uh, he, he told me, he said, there. He, I asked him if there was any specific moments or stories that he had about working with you, and he said that he could just remember one film session, you started screaming and, and about scared him. I mean, he's one of the biggest guys I've ever stood next to, so um, Bryce Williams. I can really say that it had to be my boy Bryce then, who, uh, you know, was an amazing story. Bryce, his family were ECU, and his twin brother, which is kind of like the movie twins a little bit, you know, with uh, Danny DeVito, I guess, and, and the, and the, the what a guy, they, they look that much differently. Uh, and, you know, Bryce, we didn't recruit him. He was a good high school player, but we just didn't go on him. And he went and walked on Marshall and his brother came to walk on as a kicker here. And then we were up playing Marshall and his mother came over to see the brother and, brought it up at the hotel about get my other son back down to East Carolina and get him out of here. And he ended up coming, walking on, obviously all, all, uh, earned a scholarship. And, uh, you know, when I was here working with Lincoln and those guys, Lincoln had never coached a tight end. They never had a tight end in the offense when he went to school or had coached there at Texas tech. They never had a tight end. So we got here with skip. We'd had all these tight ends and he didn't know what to do with them. He's like, what are we going to do with all these tight ends? And, and two or three of them transferred out. And Bryce was kind of a wannabe wide receiver, but we were like, you're growing into a tight end. And once we started playing with the tight ends, Lincoln fell in love with him. And then we really had something special with him because he really turned out to be a great player. He really did. And he really was a lot of fun to coach, to be honest with you. He, he took all that anger well then. He, Such a good guy. I, I actually I went to high school with, with Bryce Williams. All right, so uh, you're from Lexington. I, I am from Lexington. Born you know, my wife's from Lexington. Oh really? Nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Good I, barbecue. I'm, good barbecue. Yep. And good looking, Not, good looking women and barbecue. There you go. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> now I, I then I got to ask, Eastern style versus Lexington style. You know, I, uh, I see. I grew up more west. 
Right. And yeah. so barbecue wasn't a very big deal. And if you've ever eaten the Western barbecue, you'd know why it wasn't that big a deal. So, we, you know, we, we didn't rave about it. When I uh, had an uncle and aunt that lived in Salisbury and I first, and I, woo, I was like, no, that's pretty special. And then when I met Misty, then uh, really got hooked on the Lexington barbecue. But I will say after a few years in Greenville, the, the stronger vinegar based taste started to take hold of me. So it's kind of a little bit of a coin toss between the two for me. Uh, I, I, I love them both probably a little bit too much. That same here. I, I could eat barbecue every day. Yeah. Um, love it. Um, yeah. And one of the questions we've, we've, like I said, I reached out to a couple people and one of the questions that all of them told me I should ask. And I don't know if you've ever done this before. You've coached some great guys, some great athletes. If you, if you could put and say, okay, this is my all-star team, my pro Donnie Kirkpatrick team, all Donnie Kirkpatrick team, maybe maybe just the skill positions. Who 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 would you who would you put? Well, you know, it would be tough. Um, you know, at wide receiver, you know, Justin Hardy with those hands and that work ethic, that yeah. that's another great story. How you know we we, we ended up getting him to walk on and then obviously it didn't take long for him to earn that scholarship though. Uh, but I'm, there's never been anybody got better hands than Justin Hardy uh, the, and just phenomenal work ethic and, and young man. Uh, you know, Zay Jones was pretty good. I had Zay for 240 of the catches. I didn't get a chance to coach him the last year, you know, which that, that was a little bit of a disappointment, but he didn't need me by then for sure. Zay had the greatest work ethic of anybody, though. Zay, every drill, everything he did was was absolutely full speed. The, the DBs hated Zay when he was a freshman. They kept telling him, calm down, rookie. Calm down, rookie. This ain't a full speed drill. And Zay would tell him, I ain't got but one speed. And uh, for long, they all started liking him, though, when he started catching touchdowns in the game. Yeah. So I'd have to have both of them out there, I guess, you know. And I guess Bryce would have to be my tight end since he's still here to hear these things. And, and that would be a good one, though, to, to have in there. You know, Dwayne Harris would have to be somewhere, though. He'd have to be the H, the hybrid or something, your Wildcat quarterback. Uh, Dwayne Harris has the true distinction of they, they changed the rule because of him. Uh, the rule used to be you could block a guy, you know, to the whistle or whatever, and they changed the rule to where you couldn't block the guy once he got out of bounds. You had to let him go because Dwayne – put four guys into the stadium wall. He about broke the kid's back at Southern Mississippi one night. He wow. flipped the guy over the, the, the bench and the red tips in, in Carolina, the most phenomenal blocker ever. Uh, he was, he was not, he hurt people in the game. He was so good at blocking. And obviously he was pretty good with the ball in his hands as well. And obviously probably maybe the most popular of all the guys too. Hardy and Zay always, said they'd never seen anything like it. Dwayne actually dropped a pass on a flea flicker in a game, and the crowd still clapped for him because they thought he made great effort on it. He said, no way you could drop a pass and the crowd still clapped for you, but except <laughs> Dwayne Harrison, the only one that could ever happen for. But the, the people respected him and loved to watch him play so much. You know, Chris Johnson was a pretty good running back, you know, in here that too. And, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of people don't know that Chris actually played receiver for me one year. So when we got here, the very first year was his sophomore year. Chris broke, literally broke his neck in the last game of the year against UAB and then missed the entire winter, the entire spring and the summer. 
And then they said he, he was released to come back and play. So Coach Holtz, with his speed and everything, and thought, well, you know, the kid just had an injury like that. He can't play running back. He'll never stick it up in there. And we were a really downhill I-formation team, if you remember, with Skip. And so he said, we're going to move you to wide receiver, which he didn't like. And he brought him into my meeting room one day, and I think Chris was shooting like laser darts at me through his eyes, but he didn't want to be there. But kept saying, you'll be an NFL guy if you can learn to play receiver with that speed. And that lasted for about half the year, and somebody got hurt. We had to move him back to running back. And then the next year, you know, obviously history tells you how good he got that next year because Skip told him, said, now, if you don't win the job, you're going back to receiver. And he said, I'm winning that running back job. And he did and never looked back. But we'd be pretty good if we give him the ball back there. You know, I, I saw Greg Hudson today. Some of you may remember Greg was the D coordinator here at that time. And I remember we were at Memphis and D'Angelo Williams was playing for them and Chris was playing for us, two future NFL guys, and it was a shootout. And I remember that uh, Chris broke a couple runs back-to-back, took him to the house, first play of the series, and Hunt ran down there and hollered. I, I was the one signaling the plays and slow down, quit scoring so fast. <laughs> I, think, I, I never thought anybody could, could do that. But then they were giving it to D'Angelo, and we couldn't stop him, but eventually we outscored him. Uh, so that was that would be pretty special. The quarterback would be the toughest thing. Uh, you know, being here watching Shane Carden, obviously I didn't coach Shane, you know, he was pretty special. And, and you know, it took him two or three years before he got the starting job here. He was on the scout team for two straight years. Uh, pretty good. But, you know, Hope Mailer is always going to have a special place because he he got this place back to, to being good again after it had really, really gotten so bad. Now, I had some other good players at other schools, but I feel like we'll probably just talk about the Pirates since it's the Boneyard podcast. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> uh, Artie, any other questions you have? Otherwise, I, I got one more question. For, for, yeah, go, for go, ahead, go ahead and hit him with that last one. All right, Donnie. We asked this question to anybody that is has anything to do with East Carolina University. Yeah. All right, this is going to be the toughest question we ask you the entire podcast. All right. You talked about liking cocktails on a beach. I like cocktails downtown Greenville at this little establishment called Sup Dogs. Yeah. Okay, you go into Sup Dogs. Maybe it's after a victory. Maybe it's at, maybe it's after a, a tough game. What 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 is your order to to celebrate or, or to to drown a, a bad game? Well, I don't get to usually go to Sup Dogs after the game in that environment, but I did get to go there a lot when we take the recruits there, and usually that's a pretty positive. If you can get a good spring day, you get out there on the outer deck right there. You uh, you could probably turn a recruit's head just a little bit, and, and those of you that've been there probably know it's not all just the food. Brett does a great job with the food, but the, it's the atmosphere and the, and the view. Uh, but, you know, those tater tots would have to be the would have to be the little app, the hors d'oeuvre right there. I think it would be hard to turn those things down with the sup sauce. And then I'd have to go with the, the, the burger. It's got the fries on it. You know, it's kind of it's kind of my jam with that a little bit right there. And then if I could sneak it into maybe a different cup, that grapefruit crush or whatever they got is pretty special, I'd say. For sure. Man, out of my own heart right there. That's a perfect order. I mean, yeah, you can't, that might be one of the best orders we've had. <laughs> we, we get guys on here. We get athletes at times sometimes saying, oh, no, I, I'm getting I'm getting the chicken tenders or some something. Yeah. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> You're going to burn it off in practice. Come on. Now. Come big, on. big John will get you right. 
Um, yeah, that's right. That's what all those workouts are for. Yeah. All because Brett and Subdogs does such a great job. Yeah, he um, he's been great to the program. He has been a big, big ally and uh, been a true asset for, for our recruiting. Uh, Donnie, real quick, I, I actually I just saw our, our producer who's backstage. Josh wanted to ask a question. Do you mind if, if he asked no, one, one last question? No. no. Jo- Josh, take it away. <laughs> How you doing, Coach? So did Josh I know that you – you, you, are from, you might, or did I freeze? You, you, I can hear you, Jared. I can hear everybody. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Donnie, so you went to South Caldwell, am I correct? Yes, I did. All right. I went to Hickory, so I have a question for you. Did you recruit Landon Dickerson? Well, I tried to. You know, <laughs> Landon, Landon Dickerson, I went to Lenore Run, and I played with his dad at Lenora. So I know his dad and I knew him well. And uh, my younger brother, Mark, was the head coach at South Caldwell. Now, my father had been the head coach there. Uh, We opened the school up. My senior class was the first year. We went to the state championship. And unfortunately, we we didn't win the state championship game. We got right to it and got beat. But but, uh, Landon started the hickory, I guess, and then came across the river. And he, he played for my brother. And I still give my brother a hard time because my brother kept saying, you know, I just don't know if he's going to be quite good. He runs good and all, but I don't know if he's tough enough or not. And I looked at my brother and said, what? There ain't never been another player like that here at South Caldwell. What are you talking about? He's not tough enough. And now look at him. So, uh, yeah, good people, though. But, no, we we didn't get very far in the recruiting. Somehow in there, the Florida State, I think, came that trumped us. But I sure didn't want him, yeah. All right, that's that's the only question I had. Me and Landon went to Wendy Hickory together. I was one year ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good people though. Awesome. Well, Donnie, thank you for joining the Boneyard Podcast. It's been a pleasure. We wish you the best. Stay thank in touch. You. Stay in thank touch. Thank you. Appreciate you guys, and uh, it was fun. I'm glad you asked me to do it. All right, well, for sure. Maybe we'll get out on the on the golf course at some point. That'd be good to uh, we, we could see good. all of our terrible swings. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. All right, Donnie. Have a good one. Right, get off of here. I'll say bye. All right. <laughs>
Hey, EC Volleyball, give us more Izzy content. If you're listening, more Izzy content. Yes. I, yes. I, I reached out to her and I, I congratulated her. Uh, if you didn't see this, ECU will be going to their first uh, postseason, making their first postseason appearance uh, starting this weekend. That is awesome. Inside Menchie's Coliseum. Uh, ECU it has been invited to the uh, National Invitational Volleyball Championship. That That's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we don't need all that. The NIVC. Um, first serve of the tournament is at 2 o'clock on Friday, December 1st. Uh, Georgia Southern will play Winthrop. And then the Pirates will take on the Citadel at at 6 p.m. Uh, and then, yeah, make sure you make sure you get out there to Minji's. A lot going on in Minji's this weekend. Um, get out there. Starts Thursday night with with the basketball game, and then all weekend supporting the Pirates. It's it's single elimination. Um, th- I mean, this is the best season EC volleyball has ever had. Uh, yeah, Twenty and ten on the season. Support. support these women. Get out there, and then uh, yeah. If you uh if you go, make a sign say, "We love number twenty five hashtag Boneyard Podcast." Whatever, uh, th- that's number number twenty five on the court, but number one in our hearts, Izzy Marinelli. Um, yes. All right. Anything else on on volleyball, Artie, Josh? Anything that you wanted to add? Did I miss anything? No, I've got nothing else on volleyball. He he's. Josh is giving me the thumbs up, so we're good. Uh, all right. State of Power Athletics. John Gilbert talks yesterday yeah. um, for his kind of State of the Union type press conference. Uh, a couple couple interesting things that, that were said. Uh, talked, talked a lot about NIL, right? And uh, one thing that kind of stood out and kind of jumped out to a lot of people was – he says that he believes we need $700,000 plus to be able to compete at this level. What are your thoughts on $700,000 for East Carolina to raise for the NIL? Is that enough? I don't know. You tell me. I don't – I mean, well, look, you know, we have have to understand the kind of program that we are, um, what we can, like, reasonably ask for. Um so I, I, I would I would say that that's probably a decent number for where we are, but I would say that I don't think that's enough. I, you know, I definitely think it's as as much as we can possibly raise, obviously. Um, but to try and get on the level of some of these other programs, at least to put ourselves in a position to maybe um, creep into you know conference realignment in the next few years if that does happen again, or at least be in the class of the American going forward. I mean, that that's really the first step is to try and get ourselves and just be at the top of the American. I, I think 700,000 is, is a good starting point, but I don't know if that's enough to be completely honest with you. But I mean, hey, what do I know? The NIL is new. I'm still not that educated. I'm still kind of ignorant on NIL and what exactly, how much you need. But just all these other numbers that I see with some of these other programs, it just seems a little low to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think, I think it, the number sounds low, but – you got to remember, you've got kids that are wanting NIL money in basketball. You've got kids that are wanting NIL money in baseball. You even got some athletes wanting NIL probably in women's basketball, right? With how good they've been. Like, you've got athletes that are wanting NIL money. 
And to keep those athletes and to compete in the American Athletic Conference, you're going to need it. Um, but seven hundred thousand dollars that it it shocks me, but it doesn't, right? Like yeah, I, I think that I would have probably put that that money at about a million. Like if I, if I'm just being honest, I once again I don't know. I'm not I'm not I'm not making decisions at in, at the university level. Like I that's way above my pay grade, Artie, yeah. as a as a premier podcaster. Uh, so. To me, $700,000, like, it shocked me, but it didn't. Um, but, I, but I will say at least we're not being ignorant of what we need to do, though, right? We're, we know exactly what we have to do to be able to compete in today's society of college football. So we know, okay, maybe that's just a start, but we know, like, we're not being naive to, to exactly what we had. We have to be able to attract these kids. We have to be able to give them something. You know, being able to just convince a recruit that, hey – you get to play in Dowdy Fickman Stadium in front of 55,000 people, and it's a beautiful atmosphere. We know that's not enough anymore, right? So it's got to be more. So at least we're not ignorant and naive to what we have to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, yeah, I, I did mention that $700,000 was just for football. Um, we're we're going to need more money than that as a whole. Um, all right. Next thing that he talked about indoor the indoor practice facility. I mean, he says he's really pleased with where we are in, in the progress of, of building our or getting our indoor practice facility funded. Yeah. Um, he's talked about it being about a twenty to twenty five million dollar investment, um, and right now we're just a little north of fifteen million, right? Right. So we've we've got eight to ten million dollars to get to where we well, where we think we need to be. We're a little over halfway there, or we're we're a little over two quarters of the way there, right? Um, yeah. With that being said, I mean, <laughs> what what does a, a twenty million dollar indoor practice facility get you that a twenty five million dollar practice facility doesn't get you? Um, I don't know. I I mean, I don't know. I, well, it's if, if we're being honest, though, because because ECU facilities wise, we really do not have bad facilities. If we're being honest, if you go to some of these other schools, I mean, the only teams that are better are the cream of the crop teams. Like you're like you're legitimate, you know, your ACC, SEC, you know, I mean, already, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're the billion I'm, dollar. I'm pretty sure we're the only D1 program in the state of North Carolina, or at least the FPS program in the state of North Carolina that doesn't have an indoor practice facility. Well, let, well, let me finish. What I'm saying is I understand that's the last thing that we need to have to separate us and really put us where we want to be. We need an indoor practice facility, but we don't have shitty facilities as it is. Okay, we Correct. do not have shitty facilities. We just need to add an indoor practice facility. I think sometimes people may forget that we do have some pretty decent facilities in our own right as of right now. That's just the last thing that's putting us over the top is that indoor practice facility. Yeah. If I won, if I won the lottery today, I, I'd, I'd fund the rest of it. I'd fund all the NIL. But if, what was it? If nuts and if ands and butts were something nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas or something. I don't know. I have no idea what you're trying to say, Jared. I don't know, Artie. Idioms. <laughs> idioms for idiots um all right that, that's that's about all we have i mean all in all great pod um already walked the plank do you, do you have a walk the plank Ooh, i'm trying to hey do we have gambling corner we're not doing that 
We do. We're, we're going to get to the – we got game. Okay, okay, game. okay. Okay, we're just going to do walk the play first? I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, You know what? I, I'm going to make Jared Shaffer happy tonight. And I'm going to say that my walk the plank is NBA-related. Um, It is this in-season tournament. So stupid. You. I hate this in-season tournament. What I, what, I will, what I will agree with you on, Jared, is that I do not like professional athletes having to be incentivized to play hard. Your incentive is the fucking paycheck that you get that has got six zeros in, in the paycheck. That that's your that that's your incentive to wake up every single day, go to the building and play your ass off in front of people that actually got to go work a blue collar job and really get their hands dirty. So I do not like basketball players having to be incentivized on top of what they already are incentivized as to play basketball. I hate it. I think the whole point differential bullshit where, where these players are trying to like, I don't know, do weird stuff in games to like get their point differential. Right. I, I just, I don't like it. And I, I see what Adam Silver and the NBA was trying to do, but it's sad that we even have to do this. Right. Like, can you imagine a Kobe or Jordan or Shaq or uh, Tim Duncan ever having to be incentivized to go out and play be- like their their best basketball? Never. They they just they they love ball. They just love to go out, wake up, and ball. The money's an added bonus. They love to ball. So I this this whole in season tournament, it can walk the damn plate. Yeah, um, already. I've been blowing up the the podcast group chat. Uh, talking about how much i hate the nba and it's just like in the past it's been okay but like over the last week it's just honestly been so annoying now now the popovich thing i don't really mind the popovich thing i don't know that's that's some soft ass shit (laughs) i don't really i don't think he should have done it but popovich is one of the greatest ever so at this point he gets a mulligan for that he gets a mulligan i don't care how great he is that's some softer than baby shit stuff and Kawhi did help that team win a championship, and he was a Finals MVP. In I don't care. He doesn't really deserve that kind of treatment, but the fans have every right to boo. They have every right I, to boo. They I paid my ticket. Customer. I'm going to say what I want to say. You're exactly right. I mean, uh, customer, they have every right to boo. I mean, you got to remember, Artie, I, I'm the guy that got thrown out of a ECU women's basketball game. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say what I, I'm going to talk my shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've booed former Hurricanes players, booed former Braves players. Th- that's what happens. Okay. And I, I know that, I mean, Coach K's done it, but like they were booing somebody at Duke that was a Duke alum. Like, hey, that's college. Like, that's different. These guys are getting paid and benefiting from people coming to the games. And you're going to get mad at them for booing somebody. No, get out of here with that shit. Get out of here. That is soft. No, that is soft. And that, that is my that is my problem with the NBA. The NBA, just like you were saying, they got to be incentivized to play. Yeah. They they are soft. They are soft. I like I like my sports. This is very, I mean, this is already I'm showing my uh old man yells at clouds. Look, there, there I like I like my sports to be I like my sports to be like you know, tough and and. Ugh. But I, I I will say fans they have a certain threshold though. There there's there's a barrier because at the end of the day we're all we're all grown adults. Right. You can't be out there saying I hope your mom burns in hell or something like that. Well, like, no. That's just, 
that that's just that's over the top. That's over the line. You don't deserve to be in the building. But heckling and booing, that's just a part of the game. Yeah. That's just like part that, that's part of the game. And yeah. we're there to be entertained. Entertain me. You're getting paid handsomely to do so. I'm gonna if I'm not entertained, I'm gonna boo. Or if I don't like what you're doing, I'm gonna boo. That is me. I'm the fan. <laughs> I, I sit in my seat in we the know. nosebleeds, <laughs> paying my forty dollars for a ticket. Which I'm sure those tickets are much you more went, expensive. You went to NC State with me a few years ago just to be a troll. You didn't even care about the game. You just wanted to be a troll to NC um, State. That, that, that was due to too many Bud Lights before the game, Marty. <laughs> um, all right. Gambling corner. Oh, yeah. Greg Popovich walked the damn plank. Um, all right. Gambling corner. It's yep. time, Marty. Championship weekend. Uh, let's see it. Josh, you got the. Okay, here we go. Um, this is an interesting game. Uh, you got Rematch. Oregon, who, uh, I mean, the Heisman race is on the field, right? Like Michael Penix versus Bo Nix. They're going head-to-head for the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Las Vegas, Vegas will be extremely busy with this game and the books. Uh, what is it? Washington plus nine and a half. Over under 66. A lot of points, I feel, are going to be scored in this game. Yes. Uh, take the over. Take the over. How is how is Washington a nine and a half point dog? I have no idea why they're a nine and a half point dog. Now I will say Oregon is much better than what they were the first time they played. And Oregon still could have won that game the first time they played. But a nine and a half dog, yeah, that's um and Josh is saying, okay, yeah, Dan, Dan Landing's defense. Mm. But I this 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 is gonna this is gonna be a close game. I, I would love for Washington to like ride it out and go because I I'm a big Michael Penix fan. Been following him since Indiana. Really like Michael Penix. But um I don't know. I, I think Oregon's a better team. I think Oregon gets revenge. I think they're a better team. Take the over. It's not gonna be nine and a half. The Oregon wins this game like 35-32. Yeah, I, I think Washington covers. I do think Oregon wins. Um, I'll, I'll say 42-35. Okay. I, I, think, I think it's a barn burner. Um, all right. Oklahoma State versus Texas. Oklahoma State knocked off Oklahoma in the final bedlam game and for the foreseeable future and now have their eyes on sending Texas pack into the SEC where it just means more Artie with a loss as well. Texas lost a great QB from the roster. Will they miss him in this game? Texas 15 point dogs. Uh, Artie or Texas are 15 point favorite. Sorry. I, I, I misspoke, but uh, let me ask you, I mean, why is Texas ranked so low? But that could be a walk the plank. What? Where are they at? They're, they're at six, seven. I believe they're at six. Well, they're, they're not a top fourteen. And then at five, you have what? Washington at five. Well, who's it? Who's at five? I only know Georgia's one, Michigan's two. I, I wouldn't even pay attention to the rest of the, the rest of the college football playoff ring. Let me be honest with you. Let, let's see. Uh, um, it's it's Georgia. Oregon's five. Texas is six or seven, but 
to me, like they're out, they're out of the playoff picture no matter what. Yeah, Texas is seven. Texas is seven. So they're to me they're out of the, they're probably out of the playoff picture no matter what. No, not, not necessarily because you beat, you beat Oklahoma State. I mean, Ohio State's pretty much out of the picture, right? Uh, Ohio, Ohio State has to have complete and utter chaos. Like everybody needs to lose. Every everybody, all the favorites right. need to lose. Right for Ohio State to even have a shot, but they I don't, have I don't even see chaos. I don't, Texas I, just needs like one of those, um, you know, favorites to lose. Like they need, they need a Washington to lose, or they need a Florida State to lose to Louisville. Which you know, Florida State without, you know, their quarterback, that's a possibility. Even though I know Louisville just dropped a one to Kentucky, um, but yeah, Flor- Florida State, Oregon, you know, it, Texas doesn't need that much to get in. They need to win, obviously. And they need to win pretty convincingly. But they have that head-to-head against Alabama. All right. So. All right, Artie. Oklahoma State, 15-point dogs. What do you think? Over-under is 55. No, nah, Texas, give me give me burnt orange, baby. Texas, 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 Texas is going to win this game by a lot of points. I don't think this game is going to be that close. This is the first time in a long time Texas is legitimate. They have a chance. They know they have a shot. They know they need to come out and impose their will in this game. I don't think this game is that close. It might be close for a half, but the final score won't be that close. Artie, I want all the chaos. Give me Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma State lost to South Alabama earlier in the year, who also lost to Tulane earlier in the year. Tulane, congratulations. You're better than another SEC team. Can we uh, honestly? That's another walk the plank. Tulane being ranked 22nd is a is a damn travesty. You know, you know some of the teams that are above Tulane in the polls. I mean, you got you got a Tennessee in front of them. I know you got Oklahoma State, I believe, in front of them. There's there's a couple other teams that are in front of them. Tulane being 22nd is a little low. They should be like 17, 17, 18. 22nd is too low. Yeah. Especially with Tulane or with Liberty at twenty five. Liberty ain't played nobody. Well, they're they're undefeated. You got you got to give them. You got to give, give them the respect. You haven't played anybody. Yeah, it, you got to give them. That, that's Jerry. If that's the case, twelve and zero at the FBS level, you should at least be twenty five. Tulane's eleven and one with their only loss being to Ole Miss, and, and that's really why they should be like higher than twenty second. Exactly. But whatever. All right, what's what's next for us, Josh? All right, here we go. SMU at Tulane. Here, here's the problem, Artie. SMU as a as a three and a half point dog against Tulane. SMU wins the American Athletic Conference. I don't I don't think that they're gonna have SMU jump Liberty and then Tulane. I, I don't see that happening. If that happens, the the American Athletic Conference loses out on a New Year Six bowl yeah. to to Liberty. Yeah. Just to see Liberty get blown out. I mean, I, I'm sorry. That that's just what will happen. Um, I I think Tulane is is a better football team, and I think they beat. I think they beat Tulane or Liberty. I think they beat James Madison. I, I think I think they beat them nine times out of ten. Um, with that being said, we we need we need Tulane to win this game for for the American Athletic Conference. Um, which by the way, Mike Oresco walked the damn plank. Um. Yeah, let, let's say 
Tulane, three and a half point favorite over under 47. Michael Press, that dude, take the over. Tulane wins by, by a touchdown. I will agree with the over. Um, yes, we do need Tulane to win this game. And I think Tulane will win this game. I think they're just a better football team than SMU. SMU's had kind of a pretty easy stretch um, down, down the stretch. Um, I could honestly see this game not being that close. I, I could see Tulane winning this game by, by a couple couple scores. If they really wanted to, if they really come out and play their best football, they can beat SMU by 14 or more. Um, and just real quick, because I do got these rankings pulled up. Tennessee, eight and four. Oregon State, eight and four. NC State, nine and three. Oklahoma State, nine and three. They're all ranked above Tulane in the CFP rankings. Every single one of them ranked above Tulane. Not surprised. Above every single one of those teams. Notre Dame at nine and three is kind of a toss up, but the only like they should absolutely be at 16, 17 in the rankings right now. That's that's absolutely absurd. That's absolutely absurd. Well, Arnie, that's just the joys of of college football. Um, all right. So you think Tulane blows them out, or not necessarily blows them out, but but beats them. Tulane wins. It won't be that hard. I don't think it'd be that hard to be against Tulane. They win. Yeah. SMU walked the damn plank. Um, all right. What's up next? We got Georgia, Alabama. All right. Uh, Georgia's six point favorites. Oh, over under 54 and a half. Uh, I think this game, I, I, I'm going to take the under here and, uh, Give me Georgia. Yeah, honestly, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I I think these offenses are going to put up some points in this SEC championship game. They'll do it in the second half. Um, Georgia's a better team. Georgia probably should win this game. But Alabama scares me. I'm not going to lie. The last six, seven games for Alabama, that quarterback of theirs has been playing phenomenal. So Alabama scares me. But give me Georgia. I I think Georgia wins this one narrowly. but if Alabama wins, there's going to be a lot of chaos in that, too. So, so there'll be a lot of chaos if you have Alabama's SC champion. I mean, you can't put them in. If you don't, if you put them in, you got, you got to put Texas in. You No, you would, you'd have to put Alabama in. One loss, SEC champion. Their one loss is to Texas. Right. But I mean, you would still, I, I just feel like you still had to put Alabama in. You If you're looking at their strength of schedule, you would have to put Alabama in. And Georgia will still have a claim at 12 and 1. Oh, yeah. Georgia's in. It, 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 I'm, it no, ma- be, no matter if, what. If Alabama wins the SEC title on Saturday, it's going to be a lot of it, I just you're gonna have, chaos. You're going to have six to seven teams. I like, hold up now. We should be in there. Yeah. So. Mm. All right. And then next, is, is this the ACC? Are we, oh, damn. What you saying, oh, damn, for you know he was putting this game in here? Stop playing with me, Jared. I forgot all about this game. You know he was putting this game in here? Stop stop that. Don't do that. Don't do all that. Right, you you know he this game in here. Go ahead. Hey, look, a 22-and-a-half-point favorite is is wild, though. <laughs> 22, or 22, I'm sorry. 22 is is wild. Iowa's defense is great. Um, is this the lowest over-under ever in, in a conference championship game? Th- and honestly – Yes. Okay. I could see it though. These are two great defenses. Michigan's defense is great. Iowa's defense is great. 
I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I don't think Iowa's going to keep up with it just because their offense is terrible. And we know their quarterback, K. McNamara, um, Michigan's going to win. Go for He's them. not even their starter. Go to the victors. See, that, that's that's how much I don't pay attention to Iowa. They're a non-factor. Hell to the victors, baby. Kate's not even their starter. They got some – at least he wasn't yeah, this many, past how weekend. How many straight have we won over that team down south? Uh, what's that, three? Three. All right. Hell to the victors, baby. Get, get off your stallion, Artie. <laughs> you see what I did there? Ah. Um. All right. <sighs> Yeah, I want to see. I want to say I'm for the chaos, but yeah, Michigan wins this game. I, I don't. I don't think that they cover 22 though. I, I, no, I think, that, that's that's way that's way too high. I, 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 I was defense more respect than that. It's going to be a closer game than that. Yeah, I, I think it's a closer game than that. Um, and I'm 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 taking the under just because I'm a sicko. Um, all right. Last but not least, uh, fuck the ACC. Louisville, Florida State. <laughs> Louisville, two and a half point favor or two and a half point dogs. Um, over under 47 and a half. FSU still without Jordan Travis. Um, give me, once again, I'm for the chaos. Give me Louisville. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I want I want the chaos in this one. I I, w- I would love to see Louisville knock off Florida State because I got no dog in this race. I just don't care. And I just don't want the ACC in the, in the college football playoff. Florida State doesn't even have their quarterback. It, honestly, they would have been a good story if they still had Jordan Travis, but they don't even have Jordan Travis, and they would get ball walked by anybody in the playoff right now. Uh, so give me the chaos, and give me Louisville. All right, is that it? I think that's we, we, we only cover the good conferences here on the Boneyard Podcast, Artie. Uh, with that being said, that's it. That's the end of an era. Uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, thank you again to him. Make sure you subscribe, follow us wherever you get your podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast. I think we're on Amazon now, maybe on iHeartRadio. I can't, I can't remember. There's so many to iHeartRadio. There's so many out there, but, uh, make sure you subscribe at Boneyard podcast. Leave us a five-star review. If you do your best friend of the podcast for life. If you don't, you can walk the damn plank. Uh, yeah, that, that's all I got. Did, did I miss anything? Follow us at, at Boneyard Podcast, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, and YouTube. Subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's get the hell out of here, Artie. It's been way too long. An uh, hour and a half, right on the dot. Right on the T. Hey, look, they free my dog Harbaugh this weekend. He gets out this weekend, free Harbaugh. You know what I mean? Hell to the victors. Um, yes, thank you again to Donnie Kirkpatrick. As always, Pirate Nation, wash your hands, wash your butts. Until next time, deuce. Peace.